want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning at verse 3. 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning at verse 3. And as you turn there, I will have you to know that the topic, the subject of my message this morning is looking for lepers. Looking for lepers. Write it down, media team. The title of this message today is looking for lepers. God is looking for lepers this morning. How many lepers do we have in the house this morning? Anybody with leprosy here? God is looking for lepers. Praise the Lord. No hands lifted. By the end of this message, you're going to see that this room is filled with lepers. But in the best possible way. It's a good leprosy. 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning at verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. There the NKJV, the New King James Version says, if they spare us, then we live. But if they kill us, we will only die. That's all. We'll just die. What's the big deal about that? Verse 5, at dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. Father, I pray this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus that you'd grant wisdom, understanding, revelation, and insight to each and every hearer. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. <clears throat> now the Aramean army, the, the interaction between the Israelites and the Aramean army begin, began about halfway through chapter 6 of the book of 2 Kings. And when it started out, God, God established a pattern or a paradigm. The thing God wants you to know is that when he establishes a pattern or a paradigm in your life, you need to see it as something to, that extends forward, not as an episode or a one-time experience. Oftentimes, God will do something awesome in our lives, but we'll walk away from it thinking, well, I got lucky that time, but I don't think I'll be so lucky the next time. We'll walk away from it thinking, I don't want to presume that God's going to keep doing this. You know, he, he set me free last time, but I'm not so sure that he's going to set me free from the next time. He provided for me last time, but I'm not so sure he's going to provide for me the next time. And every time God breaks through in our lives, we tend to think that we kind of got lucky. We kind of, kind of skated through this time. We kind of, you know, we kind of, you know, it was just like a fluke or something that happened. But in actuality, what's happening is God is trying to establish a paradigm in your life. He's trying to establish a pattern. And what he's trying to show you is every time you're in trouble, I'm going to deliver you. Every time you call upon me, I'm going to answer you. 
Every time you need breakthrough, I'm going to break through, break you through. God is trying to establish a paradigm so that we begin to trust. Now that doesn't mean that when we call upon him, he's going to answer immediately. That doesn't mean that when we're in trouble, he's going to solve our problem immediately. That doesn't mean that when we need breakthrough, he's going to break us through immediately, but it means he's going to break us through. Somehow, someway, sometime, he's going to break us through. And we need to learn how to walk through every trial with that in mind. I don't know how long I'm going to have to walk through this trial, but however long i got to walk through it, I'm going to walk through it. Why? Because at a certain point, God's going to intervene and break me through. And God establishes that pattern by breaking through quickly in the earlier seasons of your walk with him. So that in the later seasons, when you have to walk a greater distance through a trial or a problem, he's already established a precedent in your mind and heart. So you know, I know how this is going to end up. I don't know how far this journey goes, but I know how it ends up, okay? I'm broke right now, but I know that Jehovah Jireh is my provider, okay? I'm sick right now, but I know Jehovah Rapha is the Lord who heals me, okay? I know I feel uncovered right now, but I know that the Lord is my banner, okay? It doesn't matter. Now, the Bible made it clear that no weapon forged against you will prosper. It doesn't say that no weapon will ever be forged against you. It simply means it won't prosper. I mean, the enemy is forging weapons against you right now. He's in his metal shop making swords and spears and hammering them out in the fire. And sometimes you, you can watch in plain view that the enemy is forging weapons against you. And we're constantly asking God to destroy the enemy's weapon distribution center. And God says, no, I never promised to do that. But what I'll make sure is that that weapon doesn't prosper. So early on, God establishes this pattern with Israel. The Arameans decide, we're going to set up a little ambush here for the king of Israel when he comes by. Elisha is over in Israel, going on his merry way, and God speaks to him and says... The Arameans have set up an ambush right on this street, at this road, right at this intersection. Elisha pulls out his handy cell phone. He calls the king of Israel up. He goes, hey, yo, king, peep it. The Lord told me to tell you, don't go that way, because there's an Aramean ambush waiting for you there. The king called some of his soldiers says, go check that out. They came around back and took out the ambush. And the Arameans were like, how did he know we were here? The king of Aram said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up another ambush. They set up another ambush in another place. And God speaks to Elisha. Elisha sends a text message to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel checks that text message. And he goes, go to this other place. And they go, and sure enough, there's an ambush. And they take out the ambush. And the king of Aram said, how did they know that we were there? I know what I'll do. I'll set up another ambush. He sets up another ambush. Elisha gets the word from God, sends an email to the king of of Israel. King of Israel opens his email, sees where the ambush is, sends his soldiers. Finally, the king of Aram, he says, something is going on here. He calls all of his generals together. He says, which one of you is a traitor? Which one of you is on the side of Israel? Which one of you is betraying me as a double agent? Which one of you do I have to kill? And his commander said, none of us are traitors. But there's this prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha, and he tells the king of Israel what you say in your bedchamber. I mean, he knows the secrets that you speak in your bedchamber. And the king of Aram says, well, we got to take out this Elisha fellow. So he sends a strong force. He finds out that Elisha's in a city called Dothan, and he sends a strong force to surround that city. Now, Elisha, this is in 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha, apparently the city of Dothan was built around a mountain, 
And Elisha was up on the mountain, and he's there with his servant, and his servant looks out and sees the, the, the Aramean army surrounding the city, and he freaks out. He sees the weapon that was forged against him, and he assumes it's going to prosper. Yeah. Yeah. How many are like that? Most believers are like that. Yeah, yes. You see the weapon forged against you, you just assume it's going to prosper. I lose my job. I know what's going to happen. Me and my family are going to be out on the street. Somebody threatens me at my job. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to lose my job. The doctor sees a dark spot on your lungs. I know what it is. It's cancer. I'm going to die. We just assume that the weapon is going to prosper. Just assume. And he looks and he freaks out. He looks at his obstacle and immediately begins to think of what that obstacle is going to do to him. He sees the, the attack and immediately begins to think of what that attack is going to do to him. And he says, Master, what are we going to do? And the prophet says, chill out, relax. How are we going to relax? Elisha says, because there's more with us than there is with them. The servant says, Elisha, what you been smoking? <laughs> Elisha says, Lord, whatever I've been smoking, give him a toke. <laughs> Translation, open his eyes and let him see. The servant's eyes are open and he sees chariots of fire surrounding the mountain and surrounding Elisha. And now this is what Elisha's thinking. Hmm, what shall I do to them? See, when you're seeing in the natural, you look at your problem and say, what's it going to do to me? But when you're looking in the spirit, you see your problem and you think, what shall I do to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elisha had options. Yeah. Shall I ask God to kill all of them? I could do that. Yeah. They would die. <laughs> shall I ask God to send fire from heaven? He did that a few chapters ago. <laughs> He's not done that. I'm tired of burning people. <laughs> a few chapters earlier, they sent an army and he said, Lord, let fire come from heaven and consume them. And he had a little barbecue down there. But he says, no, I'm tired of burning people. Maybe I'll blind them. Lord, blind them. And the Lord says, okay. And they all went blind. And then Elisha thought, now what shall I do? He's got options. You see, when you're in the spirit, you know that you've got options. But when you're seeing in the natural, you don't think you have any options. I'm just stuck between a rock and a hard place, and there's nothing I can do about it. And everybody's against me, and this is against me, and I don't have any money, and I don't have any, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I'm just stuck. You're in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is never stuck. And you cannot say, I'm stuck, when you're in the spirit. Elisha says, I've got options. I know what I'll do. He goes down and he confronts the army. He says, who are you looking for? Now, they're all blind. We're looking for Elisha. He goes, you got the wrong place. Follow me. I'll take you to him. And they reach out and take his hand. Now he's leading the enemy. Where does he take them? To the city of Samaria, which is the capital of Israel. Takes them inside the city, inside the gates. The gates shut around them. The archers of Israel surround them. And the army of Israel surrounds them. And when he gets them in place, then he says, Lord, open their eyes. And their eyes are open. Elisha's having some fun. He's having fun with the enemy. He's playing with the attack of the enemy. You know, there is a place of victory in the spirit where you have fun when the enemy attacks. I mean, you can find yourself in the worst struggle and all of a sudden God releases supernatural wisdom. And you say, I think I'm going to have some fun with this one. 
the king is there and he says, shall I kill them? And he goes, no, let's not kill them this time. Make them a meal and let's have a feast together. And so they prepare a feast and they all eat together. Now what? Elisha says, now send them home. Okay, good God, goodbye guys. Have a good one. Thanks for visiting. They came to kill him. He took him to dinner and then sent him home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, you should try that sometime. That person on your job that knows is try, you, you know is trying to destroy you, been talking behind your back and trying to get you fired, take him out to dinner. Yeah. Take him out. Just take him out to dinner. Say, let's go have lunch. I'll buy you whatever you want. You know what you're saying? I'm not afraid of you. I'm not threatened by you. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You know, I heard a story about a man who had a dream that he was in a room being confronted by Satan. I mean, he was locked in this room and Satan was ridiculing him and laughing at him. And at that point in the dream, he forgot everything he knew about God, about Jesus. He couldn't think of a scripture, couldn't even muster the strength to say, Satan, the Lord rebukes. He couldn't think of anything. He was just trapped and he was under the power of Satan. It was coming so strong. You know, if you've ever had a dream in which you're being attacked by the devil, you find yourself in that dream and you don't even have the strength. Sometimes you forget everything you know about the Lord in that kind of dream. And he's in that dream and all of a sudden he said, Jesus appeared standing in the middle of the room between him and Satan. And he said, Jesus appeared. His glory was beaming and Jesus was facing Satan and had his back to him and said, all of a sudden the Lord started to back up. And he said, he thought, Lord, why are you backing up? You're not afraid of the devil, but Jesus just kept backing up. And he said, he backed himself all the way up against the wall and Jesus was standing right in front of him. He thought, Lord, what are you doing? And Jesus squeezed right up on him. He thought there's no place else to go. But Jesus took another step back and stepped inside of him. He said, the legs of Jesus went in his legs. The arms of Jesus went in his arms. The face of Jesus went in his face. And all of a sudden the glory of Jesus was inside of him. And he says, all of a sudden he looked and saw the devil again, but this this time through the eyes of Jesus and he stepped forward and said Satan the Lord rebukes you in the name of Jesus and Satan fell to the ground and he marched out of there in triumph greater is he who is in you than he who is see when you begin to look at the attack of the enemy through your own eyes you see an insurmountable obstacle but when you look at the enemy through the eyes of Jesus you see a foe that's already been defeated for 2,000 years The Lord established a paradigm, a pattern. The Arameans are no match for you, Israelites. But sometime later, the Arameans decided to launch an even greater attack. The pattern was already set. Israel was supposed to know what was about to go down. But the problem with this trial is that it was going to last longer than any of the previous trials. And the scripture says that the king of Aram mustered his entire army and laid siege to the city of Samaria, which was the capital city of Israel. He surrounded the the city of Israel, and when an army would lay siege to a city, they would cut off all of the provision coming into it. No food can get in. After a while, all the food in the city is going to be gone. And you know what they do? They just wait it out. They wait until the people in the city are starving, sickly, falling apart, and then they just break down the walls and go in there and kill everybody in the city. That's what they were planning on doing. And the scripture said that the king of Israel was walking on the wall of the city. He was wearing sackcloth under his robes. And a woman of Israel came to him and said, my Lord, the king, help me. And he said, if the Lord doesn't help you, how am I going to help you? Where am I going to get help from for you? From the wine press, there's no wine. From the threshing floor, there's no wheat. What is your problem? 
She said, well, it's simple. She said, my roommate and I both have baby boys. And she said to me yesterday, let's cook your baby and eat him tonight. And tomorrow we'll cook my baby and eat him. So I said, cool. So we cooked my baby last night and ate him. But tonight when I said, let's cook your baby, she hit him so we can't find him. Help, give me justice. And the king didn't even have a response. He was so horrified by what he heard. He tore his robes and he cried out, may God do to me and ever ever more severely if the head of Elisha rests on his shoulders for another 24 hours. Translation, I'm gonna kill that Elisha. Isn't it funny? He's in trouble. He decides to kill the prophet of the Lord. Now, meanwhile, Elisha is hanging out with the elders of Israel, sitting in his house, just chilling. And all of a sudden, Elisha says, excuse me, would you please go hold that door? Just just grab it and hold it shut. He goes, why? Well, because I can hear footsteps, and it's the servant of the king of Israel, and he's coming to cut my head off. So if you would please just hold that door shut so that I don't get my head cut off today. And as the guy stepped up to grab the door, before he could get there, the door opened. The servant of the king of Israel came in, and the king of Israel came in behind him. And the king of Israel said, Elisha, I'm going to cut your head off. Why? Because the Lord isn't doing anything for us. And Elisha says, this is what the Lord says. By tomorrow at about this time, two pounds of flour is going to sell for 33 cents. And and two pounds of barley is going to sell for 33 cents. And the servant of the king of Israel said, even if God were to open up the windows of heaven, this would not be possible. Elisha says, you'll see it with your own eyes, but you won't eat any of it. Now, this to me is amazing. If I were Elisha and I was living in this predicament, I would have completely lost my ability to prophesy. I mean, they came to cut off his head and he thought, I know what I'll do. I'll prophesy. I mean, it was all over. Everything was lost. The city has laid siege. I mean, the city is surrounded. There's no possibility. But Elisha thought, if I could just prophesy, if I could just speak a word of the Lord into my impossibility, I know it'll shift. Listen, what you need to learn how to do is prophesy to your problems. You need to learn how to prophesy. And we tend to only prophesy to stuff that's going to move anyway. You know, somebody's got a cold. The Lord told me you're going to get over it. Somebody's got a headache. The Lord said he's going to heal that headache. See him the next day. How you doing? The headache's gone. I knew it. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. That headache would have been. You drink a glass of water. We tend to prophesy to stuff. The Lord said on the 15th, you're going to get paid. The Lord said he's going to provide. You're going to eat tonight. You're going to have dinner. You will cook. Thou shalt cook the food in thine house. And thou shalt eat, saith God. To prophesy stuff that's so you didn't need a prophetic word for that. It's obvious. But when you're speaking to impossibility, when you're speaking to the things that will not change, the stuff that is that seems to be established in the earth, the stuff that seems to be concrete, rock solid, when the doctor says it's impossible, but you begin to speak the word of the Lord, say, No, this will change. When the economy says it's all falling apart, but you begin to speak the word of the Lord, say it's about to shift. You got to learn how to prophesy to the realm of impossibility. You got to learn how to push against impossibility and say this thing will move. And the reason we don't prophesy is because we can't figure out how it's going to change. 
Lord, if you tell me how it's going to change, then I'll speak it. But don't you know that's not prophecy? If you already know how it's going to change, then you didn't need a prophetic word. A prophetic word is when you speak it and there's no sign in the natural that there's any possibility. Elisha says by this time tomorrow, there's going to be such a shift in the economy that there's going to be grain and flour available to everyone in abundance and it's going to be cheap. By this time tomorrow, food is going to be in abundance. By this time tomorrow, no more, no more mothers eating their children. By this time tomorrow, no more sackcloth and ashes. No more wailing. No more scrounging for your next meal. By this time tomorrow, God will have changed everything. And the king said, impossible. And Elisha says, good, that's how I know it's the Lord because it's impossible. God only speaks to the impossible. He doesn't speak to the possible. It doesn't need a word from him. That's why... When people talk about, you know, the Lord's speaking to them about what tie to wear in the morning. Just drives me crazy. I was praying and I felt the Lord tell me to wear the pink shirt today. You are perfectly capable of choosing a shirt. You don't need the Lord to speak to you about clothes you got in your own closet. It's under your power. God doesn't need to speak to you about stuff that's already under your authority. He'll only speak to you about stuff that's only under his authority. And when he speaks to you about what's under his authority alone, he brings it under your authority. But it's only under your authority to the degree that you're willing to speak it. And when you begin to speak it, you risk looking like a fool in front of everybody. And if you're not willing to look like a fool, you cannot prophesy. Elisha says, tomorrow at about this time, it's going to shift. The king said, all right, I'll give you till tomorrow. I'll cut your head off tomorrow. Elisha said, cool. I got 24 hours. Had no idea. Have you ever spoken a prophetic word and then went out and tried to do it? (laughs) You know what Elisha did? He went back to kicking it with the elders. Because he knew my job is to speak the word. I can't make it happen. It's in the realm of impossibility. Now when God went to fulfill his word, he went looking for lepers. He needed lepers. God was getting ready to shift the whole situation, but in order to move it, he needed to find some lepers. Why did God need lepers? Do you know what leprosy is? Leprosy is a disease that causes your very flesh and bones to rot. Those who have leprosy, their their skin, their muscles, their flesh deteriorate, and, and sometimes their limbs will fall off. I mean, can you imagine pointing your finger and the finger just falls off? At a certain point, an arm just falls off. You know, it's like, can you? Oh, no, rigored. My arm's gone. You know, it's like your whole body is, you're falling apart. When you're a leper, you're living in the place where you feel like everything is falling apart. You know that you've come into that place of leprosy when you feel like everything is falling apart. Is there anybody here that you just feel like everything is falling apart? That no matter how hard you try to hold it together, it's falling apart. That you can try to tape it together and paste it together, but it's still falling apart. And you feel like your whole world is coming apart. Let me tell you something. There's always a few lepers in the room. There's always a few lepers in the room. And and whenever we go through these leper seasons where we feel like everything is falling apart, we always feel powerless, useless, like God can't use me in this place. When I'm going through that season when everything's falling apart, the first thing I want to do is disappear from the house of the Lord and disappear from the people of God for a while because I got to get myself together because I can't help anybody as long as I'm falling apart. But let me tell you something. God is looking for lepers. 
And let me tell you why God can use the lepers. Because the lepers have already lost everything. They're willing to take a risk. Because when you're not a leper and you're still holding stuff together, you've got something to lose. But the lepers got nothing to lose. And so they're willing to take a risk. Watch this. Four lepers living right outside the city gate in between the Aramean army and the camp of Israel. In between. Isolated on their own. And what are they doing? They're sitting and they're waiting to die. It is the fellowship of the dying. You know, you can have a small group, you can have a fellowship, and it doesn't mean there's any life going on there. You just made a decision, we're just going to all die slowly together. And we're going to get together and talk about it. So what else fell apart in your life today? Well, this fell apart. What Did you lose? I lost another finger. And all you're doing is keeping track of stuff that fell apart in your life. These four lepers had had their small group going on for years. Met every day to talk about how their lives were wasting away. Met every... Let me tell you something. We're, we're establishing small groups at Living Hope right now. But let me tell you what the small groups are not about. Simply to talk about everything that's fallen apart in your life. It's about talking about what you're going to do to move forward. Leper number one. He said, may I make an observation? Lepers 2, 3, and 4 said, of course, number one, we would love to hear your observation. Leper number one said, why do we sit here until we die? And leper number two said, you know, that's a good word, leper number one. But if we go back into the city, the famine is there and we die. We can't go backward. That's why we're, we're going to sit here. Because we can't go backward. At least they knew that they couldn't go backward. And some of you are here today and you're sitting where you are, but at least you know you can't go back to where you were. At least you know you're not going to be like Peter and go back to fishing. At least you know I can't go back to the life that I was living. I can't go back to the stuff that I was doing. I know everything's falling apart in this place. But the one place I'm not going is back. I'm not going back to my mama's house. I'm not going back to my old friends. Not going back to my old business. To my old job. God is moving me forward. The one thing I know is that I'm supposed to forget those things that are behind and reach for those things that are ahead and press toward the mark of the high calling. But the, I can't move forward when I'm moving back. I can't move forward and backward at the same I can't go back. How many know I can't go back? So if we go back into the city, the famine's there. There's a reason why I left that place in the first place. I left the city because the famine was there. So that's why we're here, number one. And number three says, that's a good point, number two. We can't go back to the city because the famine is there. But, but numbers one and two, I, I want you to know that if we stay here, we die. If we go back to the city, we die. But if we sit here... We die. This isn't a good option either. And number four said, numbers one, two, and three, thank you for your contributions. Now please allow me to make a contribution. I've got an idea, and I know you're going to say it's crazy. Call me crazy if you want, but I think our only option is to go into the camp of the Arameans and surrender. Number four, you done lost your mind. If we walk into the camp of the Arameans 
they are probably going to kill us on the spot. That's correct, number three. If we go into the camp of the Arameans, we will probably die. But if we stay here, we will certainly die. And I don't know about you, but I think probably die is better odds than certainly die. Because you see, if we go to the camp of the Arameans, they will probably kill us on the spot. But there's a chance, a small chance, that instead of killing us, they'll simply imprison us. And if they imprison us, they'll feed us. And I would much better rather be a well-fed prisoner than a starving free man. What do you think, number one? Number four, I think you're onto something there. What about you, number two? I'm with you, number four. You got me. How about you, number three? You know what, number four? I think you got it right on the head. What we need to do is go into the Aramean camp and surrender. And if they kill us, we'll only die. We're going to do that anyway. But all we're doing here is prolonging a certain death. If I'm going to die, I want it to be quick. I don't want to sit here and starve to death. Do you know what happens when you starve to death? Your body literally begins to feed on itself. I would rather take a bullet from the enemy than sit there and commit suicide by feeding on myself. Self-cannibalism. Your body begins to eat itself from the inside out. I'd rather fight it out. I'd rather go out in a blaze of glory. How come nobody in the city decided to go into the Aramean camp? They still had too much to lose. They weren't falling apart yet. Listen, falling apart is a gift from God. If you're here and you feel like everything's falling apart in your life, wonderful. It's good. But everything's falling apart. Perfect. Because when God, listen, there's a place where God says move, where God says go, where God says do, and you'd be too scared to do it if you had something to lose. So God says, I'm going to take away everything you have to lose so that when I say move, you're ready to move. Possibility. You've got options. You've got options. We can stay here. We can go back. Or we can move forward. you got options. You're not stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's always a way to move forward. It might take some risk. But the problem with our culture is that we're not willing to take the right risks. And the problem with our culture is that we are very willing to take the wrong risks. Oh, I don't want to take the risk of investing in this. But you're willing to take the risk of a credit card? I'll have $20,000 in credit card debt willing to take that risk, but I won't make a $20,000 investment because it's risky. I might lose, I might lose my principal balance. Listen, you're definitely going to lose your principal. You, come on, you never had a principal balance when you took out that credit card. We're willing to take all of the wrong risks and not any of the right risks. You know what? I'm so sick and tired of seeing the people of God broke. You know what I believe? God has business ideas for you. I see the people got broke all the time. Well, why don't you do this? Oh, it's a risk. I can't. You're broke. Or what are you risking? Risk losing what? You don't have any money. It's not a risk. 
You got to have something for it to be a risk. <laughs> Try it. Do it. <laughs> oh, it got real quiet in here. No, because see, I'd rather just tell you how broke I am so you can feel sorry for me. All right, so let's go. Now, when you're going into the enemy's camp like they were about to do, you're preparing to die. Well, write out my will. Okay. Well, let's see. I don't have anybody, so to blank, I leave. I don't have anything, so blank. (laughs) Might as well not written that. Is my house in order? I don't have a house. Okay, let's prepare ourselves to die. Come on, let's get ready to die. You're going to take a risk? Just get ready to fail. Just make a decision. I'm going to fail. But if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail like a man. I'll probably fall on my face, but I'm going to fall on my face trying something. I'm not going to sit where I am for another day. I'm not going to sit where I am for another year. I'm not going to waste another year saying, I got great ideas, but I'm not willing to try one of them. I'm not going to walk around saying, I'm waiting for my moment. I'm waiting for my time. I'm waiting for my opportunity. They go into the enemy's camp. We're ready. We surrender. We sur- we're here to surrender. We surrender our need to make provision for ourselves. We surrender our deep-seated need to protect what we have. We surrender it all. We surrender our fear of death. We're not afraid of dying anymore. We surrender. Whatever you do to us, we'll accept it. Even if you kill us, we'll take that as grace. It's better than living a slow death, dying a slow death outside the city. Quick death at your hands is grace. We surrender. We surrender our reputation. We're not afraid of looking bad anymore. If we look bad, let us look bad. Until you come to that place where you're ready to surrender, you can't move forward. We surrender! They walk into the camp. Somebody's going to see us. We surrender. We're ready. Close your eyes just in case they shoot an arrow at you because you you don't want to see it coming. You just want to get it and die. We surrender! Take us! They walk out into the camp. We surrender. We're ready for whatever our plight is. All the time anticipating the sharpness, the sharp edge of a sword that just hit him in the chest. You know, the anticipation of pain is worse than pain itself, isn't it? You ever gone to the doctor and you knew he was going to give you a shot? And you just saw the needle and it just hurt. Looking away. Can you imagine a sword, knowing that a sword's getting ready to just hit you in the chest? Knowing that a dagger's getting ready to slit your throat. Knowing that ropes are about to go around your arms and they're going to hang you from a tree. Not knowing how they're going to kill you. Maybe they're going to skewer you. You're thinking of all of these very painful ways to die. But whatever it is, we surrender. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not afraid anymore. We surrender. It's awful quiet. One of them should have come out here and taken us. Somebody should have stabbed us by now. 
We should be feeling the pain. I mean, we surrendered. We should either be in prison eating right now or dead. How come we're not dead? We're still alive. We surrender. Go see if anybody's in that tent. That tent is empty. And there's food in that tent. Hold that thought. Let's check this tent over here. This tent is empty. I know what's happening. They're waiting in the hills. Or whatever. If they come down from the hills and kill us, we're going to eat first. Come on, let's eat. <laughs> they discover that the entire camp of the Arameans had been deserted. They went there to surrender. But when they arrived, they arrived at the scene of victory. And the Lord had won the victory on their behalf before they ever stepped foot. See, see, the problem is we're waiting for God to tell us, step there and I'll make you victorious. And God says, no, I'll make you victorious, but you got to step there by faith. You got to walk by faith and not by sight. The entire army was gone and they ate and they drank. They clothed themselves in royal garments. They drank out of gold goblets. They sat on thrones and they feasted at a table together. And, and then, then they said, wait a minute, this isn't right. We're the Aramean. I mean, we're, we're the lepers who have won the victory. But we can't hoard the victory. We've got to send a message into the city. Or else judgment is going to overtake us by morning. And when the message went into the city and the gates of the city opened and the people of the city went out into the camp of the Arameans, there was abundance Amen. for everyone. No one in the city would have ever left the city. They had too much to lose. Never be at the place in your life where you have too much to lose Amen. to take the right kind of risk. God is looking for lepers this morning. Amen. <laughs> lepers who are willing to do something crazy. I don't mean something stupid. I mean something crazy. <laughs> lepers who are willing to take a chance. Lepers who are willing to lose it all because they know they've already lost it all. And by the power of the Spirit of God, God is taking us to the place where we learn to become lepers. Amen. We learn that the Spirit wants to make us lepers. Lep where He wants to bring us to the place where by faith we count it all rubbish. Everything that I've obtained in my life, I count it rubbish. I say it's not worth anything. I'm not trying to hold on to my income or my, my security or, or anything that I have. It's all rubbish. It means nothing. Where He leads me, I'll follow. Amen. And what He feeds me, I'll swallow. Can I get a witness? God's looking for lepers. Any lepers in the room? Amen. Yes. Any lepers in the room? Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. What those lepers didn't know was that a prophetic word had been spoken. What those lepers didn't know was that the man of God had spoken and released the prophetic word. What those lepers didn't know, they thought that their hunger pushed them into the enemy's camp. What they didn't know was that behind them was the power of a word from the Lord, that a prophet had spoken the word of God. Listen, some of you in this room are prophets and others of you in this room are lepers. Some of you in this room are at the place where everything's falling apart and you're the ones who are going to go into the enemy's camp and come back with the spoils. But others of you are in this room and nothing has fallen apart in your life. But what you can do is begin to speak the word of the Lord into the 
place of impossibility. You can speak it at this building situation and say, we're going into that new building. We're done with this old building. That time is over. You can speak it into the financial situation of others and say there's about to be a shift into the economy. You can speak into sickness and disease and to every trial and say, God's getting ready to shift. Whether you're a prophet or a leper, we all get to eat when it's all over. But this morning, God's looking for lepers. Those of you who are here today who say, God can't use me. I'm too broken. How can God use me? My life is falling apart. There's some of you just this week that looked in the mirror and said, I need to get myself together. I need to pull it together. I need to get myself together. And you know what the Lord says to you today? You know what I love about you? You don't have it all together. You know it. But even at the place where you feel like everything's falling apart, it looks like that. But where you can't hold it together, I'm holding it together. But I brought you to this place so that I can move you forward. I brought you to this place so that I might give you the faith and the audacity to say, I'm going into the enemy's camp. And I'm going to take back what he stole from me. I want uh, Nana Nome to go to the keyboard. Please move this to the platform, uh, one of you. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I believe that God wants to move you forward, but he wants to move you forward by the prophetic word. There's something that a thousand sermons can't do for you. When you get a direct word from God to your specific situation, nothing like it. Nothing like it. I mean, it shifts your reality. It shifts your reality. It begins to move things into your life and bring them into place. You know, last night at my, my house, all night long, the wind was angry. The wind was afraid. The wind was howling, screaming in pain. I could hear it just screaming. It sounded eerie. And at first I thought, man, this is ominous. This is weird. This is like a horror movie. You hear the wind outside just blowing. Woo! But then I remembered Acts chapter 2 and it said that they were all gathered together in one place and in one accord and there came the sound as of a rushing mighty wind. Do you know what a rushing mighty wind sounds like? It sounds angry. It sounds scared. But you know what it is? It's a sign that God's getting ready to do something. That God's getting ready to break forth. That God's getting ready to break through. That God's getting ready to move things. Let me tell you something. You look at places in your life and it looks scary places in your life and it looks angry places in your life and it looks painful it looks like there's nothing there but pain and sorrow let me tell you something the sound that you're hearing is the sound of a rushing mighty wind and that wind is getting ready to blow into your room you know that wind last night it was moving things on my balcony moving chairs around moving pillows around moving seats around let me tell you something that wind is getting ready to blow the seats in your life. And, and God is going to sit you into the right place. See, the problem is some of the seats in your life aren't in the right place, but that wind is blowing them into the place. The wind of the Spirit is coming to blow you into alignment with God's purpose. But God's going to seal you today through the prophetic word. Pastors Chinway and Darrell, come up here, please. Pastors Vern and Larry Ann, please come up here. My wife, Pastor Sonny, Matthew Kim. God's getting ready to blow you into your place. Just line up, line up around this altar. Line up, line up, line up. Pastor uh, 
Daniel, Pastor Joseph, and Robbie over there. Oh, yeah, Pastor Willie. Pastor Willie, come on up here. Come on to this place right here. Come on to this place. The prophetic word. We're going to do this one by one today. No, no two by two. God's going to seal you through the prophetic word today. He's going to move you into your place through the prophetic word. And what God is going to release is an individual word, custom tailored for your specific situation. And everybody in here is going to get one today. I'm not doing an altar call saying, if you need, let me tell you, you need. (laughs) You're not going to be sitting here thinking, I wish so-and-so was here. No, you are here. The word is for you today. You need a word today. And that word's about to come, and it's going to move you into your place. I'm telling you, God is going to move you into your place. He's going to shift your situation. And I just want to establish you by the prophetic word today. I want to establish you. I want to establish you. And I'm going to start with Carlos. Come here, Carlos. We're going to start. We're just going to open the atmosphere. And I want you to just turn your hearts to the Lord. Bow your heads. Open your hearts. Open your hearts to the Lord. Stand right there. And just ask God to begin to speak. Ask God just to begin to speak. Just to begin to speak. Father, I speak your blessing over Carlos right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And man of God, I move you to your place. Man of God, I say that you are a servant of the Lord and a prophet of the Most High. And I say that your calling is to speak the very words of God. And I say that the anointing upon your life breaks every yoke. It shatters the rocks to pieces. It's like a fire that burns. And I establish you in your ministry and I stir up the gift of God that is in you right now. And I say that there are things that have been latent in your life since even before you came to Christ. There was a knowing in your spirit of who you are. But I say that in this season, it's time for you to take your place. And I command your heart to look even beyond provision. Look to vision. You put provision first. God says put vision first now. Provision is for vision. It's what God releases for vision. Provision is not number one. God is number one. His calling is number one. And I call you back to the place where you stand in alignment with the divine calling over your life. You are a man of God. And the word of God is in your mouth. It's in your lips. And I say that you are a Levite family. You are a Levite family. Your wife is a Levite. Your sons are are Levites. And you do the work of the Lord. You do the work of the Lord. And so I establish you in your place today by the word of the Lord. By the prophetic word. And you're going to fight the good fight in keeping with this word that I'm speaking over you today. You're going to fight the good fight in keeping with the prophetic word that has been spoken over you today. And I establish you in it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Now I want you and your family to move over there. Just go on over there. And uh, they're going to pray for you over there just a little bit longer. Just just soak in the word of the Lord. Listen, God is opening up the atmosphere now. Every single one of you is going to get a word from the Lord. All of these people up here, they are prophets of the Lord. And they're going to speak words that are going to set you free. They're going to speak words that are going to stir you up. The Bible says everyone who prophesies speaks to men unto edification, which means to build you up. Exhortation, which means to stir you up. And comfort, which means to cover you up. They're not going to give you any dates. They're not going to say on June 4th. The Lord's going to do this. They're not going to give you any mates. This is your husband. That's your wife. This is not your husband. That's not your wife. They're not going to give you any direction. The Lord says to move to Kansas and no correction. The Lord rebukes you for such as none of that. What they're going to do is build you up. They're going to stir you up and they're going to cover you up. And they're going to speak the word of God directly into your situation. I want 
First of all, I want just these, these two rows just line up right here. I'm not asking your permission. You're getting a word today, but whether you want it or not. Everyone else, just begin to worship. Just bow your head and begin to pray. Yep, these two first, but these two rows. This row, come on up, come on up. This row, Maura, go right over there to Pastor Larry Ann, to Pastor Byrne, Pastor Joseph. Yep. Yep. One by one, one by one. There we go. Right here, Pastor Darrell. Okay, good, good, good. Come on up. Two more, right here. Two more, right here. Come on, come on. Jesus, yes, Lord. Over there. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Just just continue to worship and seek the presence of God. Just seek the presence of God. Open him to open. Ask him to open up the gates of heaven. Some of you need to bring your own recording devices because you're going to want to remember this word. Record it with your phone if you can. I need three more, three more, three more. Come quickly. You, you three right here. Come on. Over there. Come on. All the way around. May the Lord bless every word that is in your mouth, every desire that is in your heart. I just speak the blessing of the Lord over your family, over all that pertains to you. May he bless you from Zion. May you eat the fruit of your labor. May prosperity be yours. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. We're going to officially dismiss the service, but we're not going to stop playing the music. If you sense the presence of the Lord, you want to linger for a little longer, you can linger, you can sit, you can stand, you can come to the altar, you can pray. Just sense that the Spirit of God is hovering over this place, and we're just going to make provision for that presence. God bless you.